welcome to episode 70 of the Montana Values Podcast. In this show, we'll talk all about the mistress of word salads herself, our very own director of the Office of Public Instruction of Montana, Elsie Arnson. Let's join our host, Tammy Fisher. We're going to talk today about a politician that's been an embarrassment since the day she set foot in office. Yeah, I know. There's a mighty long list in Montana of politicians who are embarrassments, but this woman might be the tippy top of the list. We're referring to Elsie Arnson. Now, I remember Elsie Arnson when she ran for Congress against Ryan Zinke and Matt Rosendale in 2014. And I remember thinking then that there was no freaking way Montanans would elect her dog catcher, let alone to a position that required a modicum of intelligence. At that time, she was known to parade around the state referring to herself as, quote, eye candy amongst the male candidates she was running against. (laughs) And for women who were watching, the sentiment was cringeworthy because the last thing that strong women want to be known for in politics is their looks. And the reference is an interesting one. Miss Arnson wears signature red-rimmed glasses, which remind me of Sally Jesse Raphael, a talk show host from the 1980s. (laughs) And there's a key difference between Sally Jesse Raphael and Miss Arnson, though. Sally was quite adept at stringing words together to formulate a complete sentence. Miss Arnson is notorious for her inability to use grammatically correct language and her inability to utilize both a subject and a predicate in her sentence structure. Now, if she was just some hick running for a low-level office where grammar was not important, well, whatever. But this woman currently holds the position of Montana Superintendent of Public Instruction. So her gaffes are resoundingly embarrassing and noticeable in her position. Ms. Arnson is a licensed public school teacher from Billings, and based upon her animosity towards the English language and the proper use of terminology— We must offer our condolences to any child under her tutelage. She taught fifth graders. And for us Montana kids, we all know that in Montana, fifth grade is a big year. I remember my fifth grade teacher, Mr. Braco, in Glasgow, Montana. He was one of the most influential teachers I ever had. I was very interested in American history, and that year was the year we all learned who the first explorers of America were. Mr. Braco would stay after school to teach me more about the explorers than we had time to learn in regular class. And Mr. Braco would look after me, and I even had the opportunity to babysit he and his wife's kids. I haven't seen Mr. Braco since sixth grade, but his influence on my education was profound, and I am unlikely to ever forget the amount of time he spent with me as an eager-to-learn kid. Granted, There wasn't much else to do but school activities in Glasgow, Montana in the mid-1980s. So the point is... Fifth grade is a formative year. Most of us remember our fifth grade teacher, but sweet Mary, if you were one of the kids that had Miss Arnson as your teacher, you got robbed, and we will tell you why. Miss Arnson left teaching about 10 years after she began in order to run for the state legislature. She served in the Montana House for six years and then began serving in the Senate in 2013 when she ran for Congress. She lost her congressional bid rather handily, obtaining less than 7% of the Republican primary vote. And then she completed her state Senate term only to run for superintendent of public instruction in 2016. Now, 
besides having a degree in education from MSU, she also has a bachelor's degree in economics from the University of Montana. So on paper, that would make her seemingly eminently qualified for the job. But as we know, paper doesn't translate into reality sometimes. Arnson ran against Melissa Romano in the 2016 election. She beat Romano by only 3% of the vote. That was a race for the Democrats to lose as we were coming off of a pretty successful run by Denise Juno, a well-known Democrat who occupied the office between 2008 and 2016. Not many Montanans paid attention to the OPI because it didn't seem to be plagued with scandal. So when Juno turned out, it seemed to most of us that it was likely that another Dem would be elected to the seat. The problem was the person the Dems ran wasn't a great candidate. Lackluster campaign, no name recognition, which Elsie kind of had because of her prior political campaign experience. But even with a lackluster campaign, Romano came within three points of Arnson. And truth be told, in Republican circles... The word was that, yeah, Elsie is dumb, but at least she would put the seat back into Republican hands and beat back what some believe was a stronghold the Montana Teachers Union had on that office. So elect a paper bag, but gain some ground in equalizing the playing field, so to speak. Now, you would think that the paper bag would know to just kind of hum along, throw in a few Republican educational initiatives while in office, but otherwise not draw too much attention because the point of the election, at least in Republican circles, was to just hold the seat and create a bigger Republican coalition to run state government. But that theory backfired almost instantly because the only person that doesn't recognize that Elsie is dumb is Elsie. And a harmless dummy is fine, but a dummy that thinks they are smart is ruinous to government. And here, it's ruinous to education in the state of Montana. Elsie could have just been a figurehead or the, quote, eye candy she paraded herself around as. But nope, she actually believed that people elected her because they think she is smart. Typically, when dum-dums are elected to office, they have career staff that keeps things afloat. The politicians come and go, but the complicated and meaningful work is done by staffers in the office. And perhaps no other office needs highly competent staffers with institutional knowledge more than the Office of Public Instruction, although I'd say the Public Service Commission might be a close second. Within minutes of Arnson taking office, the rats were fleeing the ship. Why? Because she became known as a narcissistic micromanager who micromanages tasks she knows absolutely nothing about. She incessantly emails demands and expects staff to understand her position, all the while changing her position and saying enormously stupid things in public. She doesn't have the intellectual heft to understand the ins and outs of federal education policy and funding, which is the biggest component of educational funding for Montana kids. She just doesn't get it. Proof of her incompetence? A 90% turnover in her office since she took office. Many of the folks in education are not political, So when 90% of the staff, including those she hired when she took the office, cannot work for her, that's a sign. Of course, by the time her second term came around, Montana had veered right, but her margin in her re-election was astoundingly high. She ran against Romano again, 
And Romano's campaign was plagued with scandal. Her husband was a teacher and he was busted for possession of illegal drugs. So many folks who would have otherwise voted for Romano just to rid Arnson from further damaging the state didn't vote in the election because they thought Romano had too much going on in her personal life to devote the time and effort to the position. But Arnson won by a huge margin, likely due to the Romano effect and all of the school masking, shutdowns, and vaccination issues that plagued all of us during the 2020 campaign. Okay, so let's go back to some of her bad choices. So Arnstein takes over this office, the Office of Public Instruction, and one of the roles of the superintendent is to be a member of Montana's land board. Well, Arnson doesn't know anything about land use policy in Montana lands and public lands, and she's apparently not willing to educate herself. So she hires someone to teach her about what she should do on the Montana land board. That's kind of goofy, but sometimes these public officials do hire consultants to help them out. But who did Arnston hire? Well, in fine form, Elsie realized she knew nothing about public lands or what she was required to do as a member of the Montana Board of Land Commissioners. And if you watch any of the Board of Land Commissioner meetings in 2017, you can see both Governor Bullock and then State Auditor Matt Rosendale. And let me tell you, I don't like Matt Rosendale, but they both are visibly laughing at Elsie's statements and questions because they were so absurd. So Elsie knows she's a public laughing stock, so she hires a guy named Patrick Badau to advise her on land board issues. She's not willing to read up on the issues herself now because she thinks she's the expert in everything. God forbid she actually educate herself. Nope, she pays a guy 90 bucks an hour to tell her how to vote on the land board. According to the Helena Independent Record, quote, April 18th, 2017, under a new department leader in Helena, An advisor on state land management issues is receiving double the hourly rate paid for similar positions and nearly $40 more than his boss. Patrick H. Badau is receiving $90 an hour to advise Superintendent of Public Instruction Elsie Arntzen on issues related to the Board of Land Commissioners, according to the state salary website. The board, which consists of Montana's top five elected officials, meets monthly to determine how to generate revenue for public schools through measures such as grazing and farming leases or fees at recreation sites. The other advisors to members of the land board have primary duties that help determine their pay, such as Melissa Schlichting, an attorney who also advises Attorney General Tim Fox and is paid $41.46 an hour. But Badao's sole responsibility is to advise Arntzen on land board issues. Dylan Klapmeyer, media assistant to Arnson, said working fewer hours justifies a pay rate higher than what other advisors receive. Quote, because he's working so few hours on very specific issues for the land board, it's not uncommon for the hourly rate to be higher for employees like that, Klapmeyer said. It's really important for her position to have someone with a lot of experience, end quote. Klapmeyer said Badao has worked an average of 40 hours a month since January, and Arntzen plans to move him to 25 to 30 hours a month. The governor's office said one of its advisors, Adam Schaefer, spends approximately four hours a month on land board issues. By far, Badao receives more per hour than any other OPI employee or land board advisor. According to the state website, Arntzen makes 
$50.31 an hour to head the Office of Public Instruction. And Governor Steve Bullock is paid an hourly rate of $53.64. Ann Gilkey, the advisor for former Superintendent Denise Juno, was paid $41.46 an hour for similar work, end quote. So the interesting part is when she's busted on these things, then she comes up with these fascinating excuses that don't mean a hill of beans, meaning, well, since he works less, he can charge more. That doesn't make any sense. That's fuzzy math. That That's just that's not even getting to the issue. And so when you have other people like Tim Fox or Steve Bullock or, you know, Denise Juno, the former superintendent, they bring in these people as consultants or if they're employees, their primary responsibility is like for Tim Fox, the gal, Melissa, for him. She's an attorney within the AG's office who actually knows something about land board issues. So then he just uses her advice and consultation when he's doing that. So she's paid half price. You don't get to charge double because you work less. That doesn't make any sense. Just because you're more efficient doesn't mean you get to charge double. And so they do these goofy explanations that don't have any relevance at all to the issue. The point is, she's paying $90 an hour for a guy to advise her for 40 hours a month on land board issues, which I cannot imagine that it takes 40 hours a month to do anything with a land board. All you got to do is read up on the agenda items, talk to your constituents, see how people are feeling about the issues, and go forth and make decisions, right? So, okay, maybe she needs a consultant to help her understand some of the land issues. That's fine. But like, Bullock needed somebody for four hours a month, not Elsie Arnson. She needs 40 hours a month of consultation. That's just absurd. And it's because she doesn't know the job. She doesn't know what she's doing. So she starts out of the gate as incompetent and begins her tenure of pissing away tax dollars because she refuses to educate herself. And yet she claims to be an educator. Elsie also advocates for private education constantly. And both Mickey and I have attended both public and private schools. And we believe a strong private school system adds value to Montana's overall education. But the job description for superintendent of OPI is dedicated to public schools only. It leaves no room, no time, and no use of state resources for private school initiatives. Under Montana law, the superintendent of public instruction must, quote, faithfully work in all practical and possible ways for the welfare of the public schools of the state, period. We digress. With a 90% turnover, there is no mechanism in the world that will afford the OPI to function well. Every school district in Montana relies upon OPI functioning well. OPI is responsible for processing teacher license applications. So you can have a candidate who you want to hire as a teacher, and without their license getting processed, that teacher cannot start their position. A backlog in processing the teacher licensing applications alone is burdensome, but that's crippling in rural school districts who have a difficult time recruiting qualified educators to begin with. In December 2021, all of the AA superintendents wrote to Arnson complaining about her leadership. Now, listen, folks, to get all AA superintendents to agree on where to go to lunch is quite the feat. So for all of them to sign off on a scathing do-your-job letter to OPI is really quite the feat. Here's a summary of what they said. Quote, December 6th, 2021. Dear Superintendent Arntzen, we are the superintendents of Montana's AA schools. Collectively, we are responsible for the education and safety of almost 64,000 students 
which is nearly 45% of the state's public schools enrollment. We write to express our disappointment in your leadership as our state's chief public education officer. Indeed, for the reasons described in this letter, we express no confidence in your performance as Montana's chief public education officer. The bottom line is that for us to best do our jobs, we need you to be doing yours. Unfortunately, the Montana Office of Public Instruction during your tenure in office has experienced a turnover rate of nearly 90%, leaving the agency with absences in critical areas, such as special education, accreditation, and licensure. To be clear, our concerns are not related to your politics, but rather your leadership or lack thereof. To provide examples, we note here some specific instances of the deficiencies at OPI under your management, which we believe transcend the political scrums of the day. Unlicensed educators. It is our understanding that the licensure department is currently not taking any calls and is at least a month behind in responding to emails in the order in which OPI received them. This is unacceptable in the best of times, much less when the state is facing a critical shortage of licensed educators, as you yourself have said many times. Furthermore, it can result in our educators not being timely paid for their work, as state law forbids us from paying a teacher after they have worked for 60 days if they do not have a license on file with the county superintendent. Updated content standards. There appear to be no plans going forward to update our state's content standards. The Board of Public Education has still not approved any schedule for this important work, and it does not appear to be a priority for your office. This is understandably problematic for school districts that are striving to keep our educational materials up to date and rely on the Office of Public Instruction regularly updating the state's standards. Federal Programs Monitoring Process One of our districts had been flagged as a high-risk district due to alleged violations of compliance with three specific federal programs. Those were IDEA, McKinney-Vento, and Foster Care. The original notification letter was addressed to the district but identified a different school district in the body of the letter. There were other mistakes in the first letter. When the district asked for a corrected letter, it received a new letter 10 days later with some corrections, but the name of a different school district listed in the body of the letter. When the district asked for details about the alleged violations, it received conflicting reports from various OPI staff. The administration discussed this issue with its board and received unanimous support to pursue the complaint and appeal process as outlined in the OPI Federal Programs Guidelines. The letter sent by OPI contained a link to the appeals process, but unfortunately the link did not work. It was a dead link. The district researched on its own to find the appeals process. After submitting its appeal, but before any substantive discussions took place, the school district was notified that OPI was dropping the determination of high-risk status. It does not appear there was any basis for the designation in the first place. Special Education With the lack of a director at OPI, the general communication regarding special education updates from OPI to our districts has been lacking. Technical support from OPI is difficult to obtain. The current staff continues to be helpful, but we have found it difficult to get information quickly. 
Professional Code of Ethics. The Montana Educators Professional Code of Ethics is reviewed and revised every five years by the Certification Standards and Practices Advisory Council. This body of professionals is established in state law. Workforce Development and Career Technical Education. OPI leadership has created confusion and chaos while failing to collaborate or demonstrate consistent communication with school district leaders across the state. Concerns with Chapter 57 Review Process. These rules are critically important to maintaining a high-quality standard for teacher licensure in the state. The lack of support and leadership at OPI is jeopardizing this important process. E-grants. Numerous issues at OPI have resulted in districts being unable to timely apply for or access funds they need to do their work. Some sources of issues are delayed information from OPI on submission deadlines and reporting instructions, difficulty in locating grants, information on OPI's website, inaccurate formulas, and lack of stable staffing in this area to provide technical assistance for districts that need help applying for funds. Accreditation. It is frankly absurd that such an important task of our state education agency is now being shouldered by just one person. Let us be clear once more. We do not place the blame for these problems at the feet of the dedicated staff at OPI, who we know are doing the best they can with what they have been given. We know many of them have been called upon to do work outside their training and expertise, and we cannot reasonably expect them to do as well as the people who had been doing these jobs for years. We expect better of you, the superintendent of public instruction, whose job it is to guide the OPI and manage its resources for the betterment of all of Montana's public schools. We hope our concerns do not fall on deaf ears, Superintendent Arnson. Our local schools need your support, and our local elected trustees deserve your respect. We respectfully ask you, as a Montana educator, to please take our concerns to heart and put your efforts towards restoring OPI instead of throwing rocks at local school districts. Now, unfortunately, because the superintendents included a discussion of critical race theory or Elsie going to different school districts or school rallies or parent rallies in their letter, well, that drowned out the discussion of the legitimate concerns because those hotbed topics at the time caused Arnson to go out and rally some other superintendents to come to her defense in response. So if the superintendents had kept it to kind of these highly technical, legitimate issues of barriers to getting their jobs done, barriers to getting kids educated, they probably wouldn't have had this political response, Was which was Arnson going out and rallying other superintendents to come to her defense. Even the Montana Grizzlies coach's wife signed a letter of support for Arnson under the coach's name. So the criticisms that were legitimate 90% turnover, delay in processing teacher license applications, special education needs, updated content standards, lack of grant and federal funding information necessary to meet timelines, and accreditation risks got drowned out. But the criticisms are legitimate. And Arnson has done nothing in response except to say, I really want to work with you. I just don't know why you're criticizing me. So she deflects and ultimately our kids suffer. 
So the righty rights turn Elsie into a martyr that is being vilified, not recognizing that even Republicans that work in her office are jumping ship because she's such a terrible leader. Now, Mickey and I have been watching this train wreck at OPI for a while, and we like to think that human behavior is predictable. So we know that because Elsie is so aloof and because she finds a way to justify her behavior as beyond repute, that it was only a matter of time before she would step in it again. Because politicians who are incapable of self-reflection just continue to circle the drain even when given the opportunity to change course. And sure enough, Elsie stepped into an enormous pile of horseshit recently. School bus safety was a hot-button issue in the 2021 legislature. In our neck of the woods, a young girl was exiting the school bus and crossing the highway. Despite the blinking arm and stop sign being out, a motorist hit this poor young girl, Jordana Hubble, at highway speeds, causing her a severe and debilitating brain injury. In response to this tragedy, legislators sought to bring about awareness and stiffer penalties for avoiding bus safety and traffic signs. Here's how those efforts rolled out. Two bills aimed at improving the safety of school buses have unanimously passed the Montana House more than a year after a motorist failed to stop behind a bus and hit a six-year-old girl north of Whitefish. House Bills 207 and 267, sponsored by State Representative Neil Durham, a Republican out of Eureka, now are awaiting committee hearings in the Senate. The first bill would allow school buses to be outfitted with additional flashing lights to alert other motorists that they must stop. The second bill would make several changes to state law, including prohibiting motorists from passing school buses on the right and requiring buses to use an extended stop arm in certain circumstances. Those are stop signs affixed to a six-foot metal arm that swing out from the sides of buses to partially obstruct traffic. HB 267 would also require law enforcement to follow up on reports of motorists illegally passing stop school buses. The bill states such reports, quote, must be investigated by a peace officer, and the investigating officer shall contact the reporting party within 30 days to provide an update on the status or outcome of the investigation, end quote. During a February 3rd hearing before the House Transportation Committee, Durham said the legislation was inspired by Jordana Hubble, who has been recovering from a traumatic brain injury since November of 2019 when she was hit by a vehicle while getting off a school bus on U.S. 93 near Olney. Quote, what happened in this area of our state can happen anywhere, said Elsie Arntzen, Montana's state superintendent of public instruction, testifying in support of House Bill 267. So remember, folks, House Bill 267, that would require law enforcement to follow up on reports of motorists illegally passing stopped school buses. Illegally passing stopped school buses. So both bills passed, and that was in April one year ago. Fast forward to this week. Helena. Around 7.30 a.m. on May 19th, State Superintendent of Public Instruction Elsie Arntzen illegally passed a school bus at a bus stop near her home, according to a complaint filed with the Helena Police Department. According to the information report, a red Chevy Colorado pickup drove around the bus's fully extended crossing arm while schoolchildren were loading onto the bus at a stop. The bus driver said he recognized Arntzen behind the wheel 
and wrote down the license plate number of the vehicle she was driving, which he later submitted to police. The Montana Department of Justice Motor Vehicle Division records indicate the license plate number belongs to a red Chevy Colorado truck registered to Arnson's husband, Stephen W. Arnson of Billings. Arnson said in a telephone interview that Montana Free Press's Wednesday morning request for comment on the incident was the first she'd heard about it. Calling on her personal cell phone because she said the issue has nothing to do with OPI. Arnson said she was unaware of the complaint. Quote, this is the first I'm hearing about this alleged incident. Your email was the first time I'm hearing about it at all, Arnson said. The bus driver, Stuart Beagles, provided some additional details. Beagles said he first noticed the red pickup as he was driving uphill on South Alice Street toward the bus stop. He said the vehicle briefly stopped and then turned around and followed the school bus. Quote, I do know there's a bus stop in our area. I do know that I regularly travel to work. I do know that I have a red Chevy. And I do know bus safety should be on everybody's determination, especially when buses are picking up students and delivering them after school. But I'm not aware of any allegations, end quote. Okay, so stop there, Mickey, because this is just absurd. I don't know what she's saying here. She's saying, yeah, I know there's a bus stop, so I'm well aware of everything. She's basically fully incriminating herself. There's a bus stop there. Yep, I'm totally aware there's a bus stop. Okay, and you regularly travel to work. Can you imagine cross-examining this woman? You regularly travel to work. I do know I regularly traveled to work. Wow, wow, that's fascinating. Are you saying, Attorney Fisher, that that <laughs> OPI Director Elsie Arnson would make a terrible witness on her behalf? She would fold like a lawn chair in the middle of July. And I do know bus safety should be on everybody's determination. What does that mean? Does that mean on your radar? Because that's the wrong word. She's an educator. She's the freaking head of OPI, and she uses the wrong words all the time. This is just one example of her not making sense. It's like word salad. You never know what she's talking about. But nonetheless, she still fully incriminates herself, but then says she knows nothing about the event. Go ahead. Sorry, Mickey. Didn't mean to interrupt. Beagle says, quote, I pull up, I'm loading the kids, and the red pickup went zipping by the bus. Beagle said it didn't appear the vehicle was driving faster than the posted speed limit. However, he said the bus's stop arm and flashing lights had been actuated prior to the pickup passing the bus. Now, here's my question, Tammy. What could she not identify? Was it the big yellow bus or or the big red flashing lights or the extended arm? Like, what was she missing here? I mean... Like, but she she's fully willing to admit, I do know there's a bus stop. I do drive a red Chevy and I do regularly travel to work. Like, who doesn't regularly travel to work, you moron? I mean, she just points out the obvious. Arnson acknowledged that she lives in the area and owns a red pickup, but said she has no recollection of the incident or awareness that it was reported to the police. Arnson says she hopes the incident will raise awareness about bus safety. Well, shouldn't it raise her own awareness about bus safety? Let's start with her awareness. How about that? (laughs) God. Quote, even now, with school doors closing, we need to be very mindful personally, Arnson said. If this is indeed the case, all of us need to be mindful. That's that's word salad. That doesn't make any sense. We need to be very mindful personally. 
That's not a full sentence. She's missing the, the, the grammatical structure of a sentence. You can't say we need to be very mindful personally. Well, I think she was trying to say, I personally need to be very mindful. Well, that's the problem. That's the criticism. Ever since you testified on that bill, you have not been personally mindful because you just sped past this bus. And were it not for the bus driver writing down your license plate number, nothing would have happened. And warning all of us, all of the general public, that we need to be mindful. Yeah, we got it, Elsie. We got it before the bill was even passed. We all know we need to be mindful, especially those of us, you know, with school children. And how about those of us who lead the Office of Public Instruction? How about those people being especially mindful? She's going to be the public service announcement for the rest of us being mindful when she's the one that violated the law, it appears. It's crazy. So the response is absurd. And her staff knows it, and we know it. So Arnson is now issued a citation for the offense as the evidence, solely captured by a vigilant school bus driver who clearly cares about his bus kid safety, took the time to capture the evidence. So we have a state superintendent who doesn't know what her job entails, has difficulty with the English language, micromanages staff to the point where 90% have fled the department, and now violates the laws she testifies for. But don't worry, folks. She's termed out in 2025. She'll be done at the Office of Public Instruction. But the problem is, her husband just sold Century Gaming and is a multimillionaire. She self-funds a large portion of her campaigns. And so, which seat does she have her eye on next? That's right. Senator or Congress. You can't make this stuff up, folks. And if we don't start paying attention and actually require our politicians to have a modicum of intelligence, well, we're just going to get what we vote for. Thank you for taking us with you on your journey today. And we'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Montana Values Podcast. Consider sponsoring the show by going to our website, montanavaluespodcast.com locating the sponsor page and clicking on the donate button. Follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at MTValues. Find us on Podbean or wherever you get your podcasts. What's your favorite Montana value? How do you live it? Write to us. Our email address is montanavaluespodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.